Hello, everybody. This is the Ether Podcast, and my name is Rodrigo. Hey, this is Ryan. And uh, today we are continuing with our many conversations on how to study the Bible. And today we're talking about something uh, difficult, mysterious, and I think something that uh, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around. And hopefully by the end of this podcast, uh, when we're done talking about this particular subject, you will feel uh, at the very least with more of a general idea on which direction to take uh, when you approach this particular biblical genre, which today we're talking about uh, wisdom, biblical wisdom to be exact. And uh, we made a video about this. And in the video, we talked about how uh, the biblical wisdom is unique. And uh, we just want to delve a little bit more in detail as to what that means and why it is unique. And so what we're going to talk about in this particular podcast is what is wisdom? Excellent. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. You got, I got some thoughts. You want to start off? Yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, sorry for stepping on your toes there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the first thing, Ryan, and I think it's important uh, that we sort of understand sort of the circumstances of biblical wisdom, if that makes sense. Okay. Because uh, I think many times we read the Bible and we imagine a world in which uh, the Israelites existed in complete isolation from the world around them. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because a lot of the Old Testament is dedicated to the fact of how many things the Israelites wrongly adopted from the world around them. Uh And I think if you read the Old Testament carefully, you can tell that uh, Israel had neighbors, very influential neighbors. And at least in the case of something like wisdom, uh, the Israelites didn't corner the market on wisdom. Their neighbors had wisdom as well. And this is a fact that uh, history tells us about, but it's also a fact that the Bible points to. Because one of the things that we know solely from reading scripture is that there were kings uh, who had specifically, I think in the context of the Bible, the Bible mentions many times uh, pharaohs having wise men as part of their court that they were basically there to advise them on kingly matters. And just to give you a few examples, um, uh, Genesis uh, 41, verse 8, Exodus 7, 22, uh, uh, Exodus 8, 7, Isaiah 19, 11 through 15 are all passages that talk about um, wise men being in the courts of kings. And uh, the one that I find very hilarious is Isaiah 19. Basically, Isaiah goes to town on these wise men that although they are wise, they knew nothing. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he says. Like, these wise men aren't so wise. Uh, And so wise men existed not only in Israel, but existed as part of uh, the lives of their neighbors. And interestingly enough, Ryan Novak, we even have record uh, of 
wisdom texts, much like the book of Proverbs, that go back to 3000 BCE. And uh, if you want to hear it, Ryan Novak, I even have some samples for you of some of these wisdom from Egypt. Here, I'll give you an example. This is from, uh, uh, and these books are named after their authors. So this is from an ancient text, and again, an Egyptian text. It's called The Instruction of Ptahotep. I killed that guy's name. But let me just read you this. It says, uh, if you are a man who leads, listen calmly to the speech of the one who pleads. Don't stop him from purging his body or that which he planned to tell. A man in distress wants to pour out his heart more than his case. Be one. Now, again, this is from an Egyptian text. Uh, it also belongs to sort of the genre of wisdom. And this particular text is talking about, a, uh, it's giving advice from one leader to the other, if you will. And this is great advice, Ryan Novak. If you're a person who leads, it's basically saying like, hey, learn to listen to the person that's that's pleading something. Uh, and interestingly enough, Ryan, when you read a lot of these uh, wisdom texts, uh, so, and, you know, there's actually been a lot of um, uh, biblical scholars that have talked about the similarities between some of these ancient Egyptian texts uh, and Proverbs and made sort of uh, theories and stuff as to what that means. But I think uh, at face value, if you take these texts, what it tells you is that Israel cared about wisdom and their neighbors cared about wisdom. And I think that's sort of an undeniable thing when you sort of look at uh, not only Israel, but their neighbors. Again, wisdom existed all over that area. It's existed all over the world. Uh, Wisdom, if you want to put it in in very simple terms, are sort of the, uh, the rules or the principles that we come uh, come up with after we've lived a certain amount of life. You know what I mean? Like I have wisdom to give my children and I'm sure you have wisdom to give your children. That comes from the fact that you're much older than them. Like you've lived in one way or another, you lived the path that they're traveling and you have something to say about sticking your finger in a socket or putting it on the hot plate of the stove, you know what I mean? Because you know what that does. Right. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, one of the things that I, I was, as I was putting this together, uh, Ryan, one of the things that I realized uh, is that this uh, desire for wisdom is not unique to ancient peoples. Uh, it exists even today. I am a a big fan of Instagram. I love the Instagrams. And uh, by and large, on Instagram, <laughs> I follow uh, one of my hobbies is uh, photography. I love taking pictures. And so uh, I have multiple <laughs> I have multiple Instagram accounts. One of them is completely dedicated to photography, right? And uh, it's okay. acosta.rdrg for those of you who are curious. I take really good pictures. Uh, but... <laughs> One of the things I that do I say so myself. <laughs> one of the things that I do on that account is that I follow uh, some celebrities, right? 
And one of the interesting, like, there's there's three super popular people on Instagram, and it's The Rock, uh, Kevin Hart, and this guy that you may or may not have heard of. His name is Gary V. And uh, he's a businessman, basically. And one of the interesting things is that what these guys do on Instagram is that they just basically give life advice, man. Like, Kevin Hart will get on Instagram and talk about how uh, you can achieve your goals, and he talks about working hard. Uh, this guy, Gary V gives a bunch of like business advice and, uh, he's big on sort of like, Hey, don't listen to the critics and all the, it's, he's an interesting guy nonetheless. And, uh, the rock will give you a lot of uh, workout advice and uh, how to fulfill your dreams advice. All I'm saying, all the whole point I'm trying to make Ryan Novak is that whether it's 3000 years ago or more than that, 6,000 years ago or today or tomorrow or in the king in the courts of kings or on instagram wisdom is important and it's something that whether we realize it or not uh we really tend to go after because at the end of the day i think we're all trying to live a good life mm-hmm. yeah i think that so much of the bible is interesting in the stories that it tells and the the narratives that are there, but it's, it can be difficult to pull out a lot of lessons directly from the narratives. I think, um, like you can see the examples of people and say, that's an example I want to imitate. That's not an example I want to follow. I can see how God is working through these different situations, but these three books that kind of fall into the idea of wisdom literature like look at life with a completely different perspective and a different set of lenses of how to live the best life possible. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. And when we find that we've done something that we feel is honorable or that we're proud of, we like to share it. I think just like your, your Instagram guys, I myself am not uh, one of the Instagram folks <laughs> um, I've never gotten onto it. I, I don't know. I just never got behind the idea of sharing a picture and, and thinking that the world cared what I had for breakfast, um, <laughs> with a picture. Um, and so I've never gotten into it, but I do think that, that there's this idea of wanting to find ways to better myself. And I think about like all the magazines that I pass on, uh, when I'm at, at the grocery store and it's things about, um, looking better, um, cooking better, improving your house, um, improving your, uh, fantasy sports teams. Um, it's all about improvement, Mm. buying better things. Um, and it's, they're packed with advice, right? It's packed with wisdom that other people have come up with and they, it's just a bunch of folks who say, this is how I've found to live, and I think that you should live the same way. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that, and as part of the video that we made about this, uh, one of the things that I did, and I showed it on the video, is I looked on Amazon and for the phrase, uh, your best life now, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I got over 20,000 results, and I was amazed. Like, I, I knew I was going to get thousands of results, but over 20,000 like the fa- and, and this was exclusively in books, right? Like this is not uh, movies or anything. The right. fact that over tw- 
on Amazon alone, Ryan, the fact that over 20,000 results come back when you type like wisdom for life, that was the phrase that I put in. When you type wisdom for life, I mean, I was just, again, one thing is clear. We like wisdom and oh, we yeah. seek it, right? And I think one of the mistakes that we make uh, when it comes to wisdom is that we're very selective on the type of wisdom that we take in. Which is why I think the wisdom of the Bible is so interesting because even though the Israelites had wisdom and their neighbors had wisdom, the wisdom of the Bible is very unique in what the backbone of it is. And before I get into that, and I think the best way to get to what that is, is to sort of discuss uh, the big picture of the three wisdom books. Because that in and of itself is a very interesting discussion, Ryan Novak. Yeah. Because we have three books of wisdom, all three... Uh, you could say that Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are somewhat similar, but not really... But then you put, you throw Job in there and you go like, this has nothing to do with the book of Proverbs. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting because um, th there is some overlap between today's wisdom, uh, ancient wisdom of Israel's neighbors and Israel's wisdom, and that in one way or another, we're all trying to figure out life. But the mm -hmm. angle at which biblical wisdom comes at that problem is very different than ours, right? Because even uh, what what the measure, in many ways, of what we deem good wisdom is based on uh, success, is based on how much does this work or not, right? Mm -hmm. But Again, interestingly enough, the way that the the books of wisdom in the Bible come at the issue of wisdom is super interesting because they, they basically take a different perspective on the same topic and they look at it from different angles, right? And uh, Proverbs, let's begin with Proverbs because Proverbs takes a very uh, straightforward approach to the book of to, to wisdom. Right. So before we jump into that, can can I back up just to make sure that we've clarified one thing? Yes. There are different genres within the Bible. Different books adhere to different genres. Yes. And wisdom is one of those genres that has been identified. You've got things like narratives, poetry, um, letters and direct prose, and wisdom is one of those. And three books make up sometimes four. Sometimes make up that genre of wisdom, book of Proverbs, book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job, and sometimes the book of Song of Songs or the Songs of Solomon. Right. And and just to add to that, not to complicate things, there are some psalms that are considered wisdom psalms. Not right. all of them, like a handful of them are sort of viewed as wisdom psalms and, and and again to to add another layer of complication ryan novak <laughs> we 
we have talked about biblical poetry and uh, sort of the, uh, we talked about Psalms. We did a couple of videos about biblical poetry and sort of talking about how that works. Uh, the Proverbs, even though they're their own genre, uh, in the case of Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs, are written mostly in poetic form. So not all poetry is wisdom, but a lot of wisdom was written in poetry, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and so uh, in order to understand uh, something like the book of Proverbs, even though it's its own genre, you have to understand the genre of wisdom, but you also have to understand how biblical poetry is written. Um, and maybe we could do a whole video of a whole other podcast on that. Because I think that is an interesting conversation in itself. But for the sake of this particular one, and for the sake of not blowing up my mind, really, um, <laughs> I, I do think, and really to answer the question of what, uh, what is wisdom, especially from the Bible's perspective, you have to uh, get out of a lot of those uh, interesting details and look at the, the big picture, right? Which is what we're right. going to cover uh, for the next few minutes on this particular podcast. But I am glad that you brought that up because I do think that is an important clarification, uh, Ryan Novak. Because yep. and, and here's the thing. And I, th and I find this fascinating. And, and you know, I, I think when you look, this is a, a complete aside, all right? And, I, and, I'll share, and I'll, hopefully this will tie into what we're talking about. Um, but I am amazed, Ryan Novak, at sort of how... Um, the biblical authors put all of this together, how they, they put the Bible together in a way that is like super clever. Okay. Because um, wisdom is a very complex issue, right? And to add on top of that uh, complication with, with the issue of wisdom alone, to then add uh, the layer of God... I think makes it a little bit more complex, and I and I'll explain to you why that is in a second. But the fact that they decided, and I don't know how they decided, and I don't know uh, if 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 you believe in the spirit, then you believe that the spirit guided all of this. But basically, what we have with Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job is the issue of wisdom being looked at from three different perspectives that at the end of the day help you arrive at um, the wisdom of God, if you will. And so here's the thing. The book of Proverbs has a very straightforward approach to wisdom. And that approach is basically, hey... You make good decisions and good decisions are going to happen to you. And good, I mean, you make good decisions and good things are going to happen to you. You make bad decisions and bad things are going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And the way the book of Proverbs even presents it is at, it's, it's almost uh, this is something that God designed it this way. God designed the world in a way that there uh, are certain consequences for certain actions. 
right? And and so it's it's sort of a very again a very straightforward view of what wisdom is supposed to be. Wisdom helps you navigate life and makes make decisions. You make the proper decisions, things are going to go well for you. You don't, and you're a fool. And right. the way that we use fool is kind of like a general term for people that do dumb things. But at least the way the, the book of Proverbs presents it, a fool is somebody who engages in actions that lead to to sin, to theft, to... It basically, a, a fool is the subject of the bad consequences of a bad character or, or bad decisions. That's how the book of Proverbs presents a fool. So, for example, somebody who's, who's proud and therefore fails in their pride, that guy is a fool. Right? Like, a fool is not just somebody, he's not a clown. It's ba like, we use the word fool as kind of like meaning like, oh, that guy is a clown. But the way that the book of Proverbs talks about fools is like, hey, that person didn't make the right decisions or look at that at that person's character. They're not disciplined. They're reaping the consequences of that, those shortcomings. They're fools. Does that make sense? Mm. Yep. And so even in the way that they present like a wise person and somebody who isn't is very binary. Either you sort of are wise and you, you reap all these good uh, consequences of good actions or you're a fool and you're reaping the bad consequences of your decisions and your actions. And again, if you read the, through the book of Proverbs, that seems to be, by and large, a lot of the theme of the book of Proverbs, make these decisions and follow what we tell you and you will have a good outcome. Interestingly enough, you then move on to the book of Ecclesiastes and it's a different perspective on wisdom because Ecclesiastes seems to come from the perspective of, hey, I've lived long enough now, right? And I've observed the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people make bad decisions and they get away with it. Sometimes the thief steals something and gains riches. And sometimes a good person behaves in a good way and bad things happen to them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit, I, don't, I, I get all, all of the, and I don't feel bad using this word because all the books that I read about this use this word. It's basically a very cynical view of what both the world and wisdom can be. There is certainly a risk that is involved with, uh, making the right decisions and part of the perspective of Ecclesiastes is like, Hey, you can make all the right decisions and you're going to have a bad outcome. Mm -hmm. And one of the, uh, one of the ways in which the book of Ecclesiastes touches on these things is by basically uh, showing that we're all subject to three things that we have completely no control over. Right? Uh, one is time. The other one is death. And the other one is just sort of like randomness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can okay. uh, you, literally you can be like, let me give you a modern example. Right? Say you, you, you need to catch a flight. 
right? And so you pack your bag the night before as you should. Uh, you go to bed early as you should. You arrange for whatever it is uh, that you need to arrange for you to get to the airport on time, be way before your flight, right? You have all of your papers and you have your passport and you have your tickets and all of this other stuff. And you could have been super disciplined with all of this. And then you're on your way and boom, car accident. And your whole day is completely thrown off and you missed your flight. Yeah. And so the author of Ecclesiastes looks at that and goes, well, listen, man, all your discipline, it's meaningless. And it sort of explores this question of like, hey, again, as I observe the world, this perspective, and it doesn't necessarily allude to the book of Proverbs, but if you compare it to the perspective of Proverbs, it's sort of taking this very binary perspective of Proverbs that's, hey, good things, bad things, good decisions, good things, bad decisions, bad things, and saying right. like, it's not, it doesn't always work that way, mm -hmm. right? Again, a very cynical view. And then you bring in the book of Job, Ryan Novak. And it sort of brings uh, that concept even deeper in that the book, the Job is a good dude. <laughs> so much so that God basically brags about him and tells uh, the godly crew, if you will, he gathers his, uh, his godly minions, God does, and tells them like, hey, listen, my guy, Job, is an outstanding dude. Like, look at how righteous he is, right? And then the, the book of Job, basically, Satan's there and basically tells them like, hey, the only reason why Job is good is because he's received nothing but the reward of his good actions. And I bet you that if you take all this stuff away, he's going to curse your name. And so God goes like, okay, bet. Let's do it. <laughs> and so he hands Job over to Satan, and Satan does a number on Job, and Job loses everything. And so the rest of the book is then exploring the whole idea of, hey, like, why, why did this happen? Like, I'm a good person. And to be honest, Ryan, I think that's even the way that we look at things sometimes. Like we, uh, man, I've had so many conversations. I think the whole question of um, why do good people suffer mm -hmm. is by far, personally, the question that I have the hardest time answering for other people. Because... Mm -hmm. The Bible never explicitly explains why uh, a child who never had uh, a choice in the matter is born with AIDS. You know what I mean? Like, that kid, what did he do? He was just born, man. Like, he, he didn't choose his parents. He didn't choose his circumstances. Or even, like, uh, the fact of, like, why are you born in the United States versus some middle town of nowhere, India. Like, how? who decides that stuff? Like, where is the justice in that? And right. so it's taking this whole question of um, suffering and 
and really asking the question of is is God a fair God? Yeah. And I think it's especially with the book of Job, what is challenging is that uh, if you know the story, I'll just summarize it for you. Uh, hopefully, one of the things that will happen after this is that you'll want to read these books more. Basically, uh, most of the book of Job is that Job has two fr four friends, uh, not very good friends, but he has <coughs> sorry, he has four friends that because they are of this mindset, like the Book of Proverbs presents, right, that the people who make good decisions, good things happen to them, and the people that make bad decisions, bad things happen to them, right? Because they're sort mm -hmm. of stuck in that way of thinking, they repeatedly persecute Job for really, that's what it is. They persecute him. They keep saying like, hey, Job, you must have done something wrong. Like, God wouldn't treat you this way had you not sinned. And the majority of the book of Job is him and his friends having this dialogue, his friends accusing him, and Job, time and time again, defending his righteousness and the fact that he didn't do anything to God to deserve what he got. And the reality is, is that he didn't. Job did nothing to God to deserve all of the things that happened to him. Yeah. And what is super challenging about the book of Job is that eventually, after many of these dialogues, God finally shows up. And God, he never explains, he never tells Job sort of this uh, wager that him, that God and Satan had, right? He never reveals that to him. We know it as readers, but Job never, never finds out. Um, and he never, he never explains to him, this is why this happened to you. What God does is that he, he basically shows him, hey, this is creation. Look how complex and amazing it is. Yeah. I'm in charge of all of this. And my wisdom is beyond your understanding and is far better than yours. That's it. That's basically <laughs> that's basically what God tells them is like, hey, I am I am so beyond you that even if I try to explain why this happened to you, you wouldn't understand it. Yeah. And then after that, God gives everything to Job back twofold. And the idea, though, of Job is that Job didn't receive, he wasn't being paid back, right? Those things double because he was a good guy, because he suffered for being a good guy, and he was rewarded for being a good guy. So which one is it? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, which, how does this work? And basically the best thing that we can walk away from is God chose to sort of let Satan do those things to him. And then God chose to sort of bless him twice over. Yeah. And we, we never get an explanation as to why. And so, but see, here's, here's the amazing thing. Go ahead, Ryan. It looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up hearing about Proverbs and 
the lessons that are in Proverbs because they're easy. They're bite-sized. They're easy to to understand and digest, and it's easy to do a sermon Mm. based around what you find in in the second half of Proverbs. I didn't hear as many about Ecclesiastes and didn't hear as many about Job either. Um, I think that we have a hard time knowing what to do with those two aspects because it's easy to say, if I follow God, good things will happen, Mm. which is the basic gist of, of Proverbs. When you get to the, the, this cynical, critical kind of view in Ecclesiastes of, of, hey, man, you can do everything right, and it's not always going to pan out for you. That's definitely a difficult question to wrestle with and to address. You know, I got my wife has a book by Philip Yancey next to the bed, um, and I'm looking at, at the books that he's written. And this is a very popular author, and he's got books about where's God when it hurts, disappointment with God, um, reaching for an invisible God, mm. the question that never goes away. This is a guy who's made a very uh, good life for himself, wrestling with those very questions of, man, how do we handle this when we've got all these questions that don't seem to have answers? And I'm staring at this horrible situation through no fault or choice of my own. Right. And it's a very difficult thing to know what to do with. And in the end, you're right. God doesn't necessarily give us an answer. But the, the, the piece that keeps coming back again and again is, is fear the Lord. Now that's the, the summary of, of all the different books, which I know we'll, we'll touch on in a minute. But, but you have this, this attitude that is, I have to get beyond myself. I have to see that that I may play a small role in a larger uh, plot line than I'm aware of, and I have to be okay with that. And I don't understand it, and I may suffer through it, and it may be difficult, um, but I've got to to trust that God knows what He's doing, and see God as greater than myself. Right. I think when Job finally breaks down and gives in and says, all right, God, what's the deal here that God says, look, it's not, it's not, you don't need an answer. You just need to know that I'm in charge and I get to make the decisions and you don't. And the book ends that way. Right. And you go, Oh, okay. I guess I have to be cool with that. As a reader, you have more in, more of an idea of the storyline, but you're right. Job doesn't know. And Job's story ends kind of on a happy note and he gets a family again and, and he's his wealth, which was incredible at the beginning of the book, like doubles. And, um, so the story kind of gets good for him at the end, but, but the question of, you know, how do I handle this? may not have a satisfactory answer, which is difficult to wrestle with, which goes back to this idea of, I don't know if we always know how to handle these questions easily. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I think uh, for us who are not just uh, 
Old Testament readers, but New Testament readers as well. Um, what the New Testament teaches us sort of on this, uh, the consequences of a good life type thing, is that living the life that God wants you to live could very well cost you your life. Like that is one of, I don't know that it's a theme in the New Testament, but certainly if you read through the book of Acts, if you read uh, Paul's epistles, you know that Paul suffered. You know that the apostles suffered. You know that Christ himself suffered. You know, and, and this idea, yeah. uh, again, it, at the, the center of Christianity is this idea that this man who was perfect, right, suffered greatly. And so, again, like, what do you do with that? If, if the good life is supposed to bring good things, um, th then how does the New Testament even teach us about that? You know what I mean? Like, how does the New Testament, especially if you sort of, uh, if the Bible is supposed to be this sort of a um, congruent narrative, like, where, how does that all fit in to all of that? Um, right. And I think it is challenging. And again, I think to me, one of the, the most, uh, one of the most challenging um, issues to deal with is the whole issue of suffering. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier, uh, one of the things that is consistent in these three perspective perspectives on wisdom is this whole idea of fearing God. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it's interesting because... The book of Proverbs in the, its early chapters basically says uh, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, right? Uh, it's sort of Ecclesiastes conclusion in it. In I think it's in the final chapter. Actually, why don't we do this? Why don't we read these passages, Ryan? Because I I do think it's important that we uh, that we read these because again, it's it's sort of the the crux of the matter, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in Proverbs 9, let's begin with that. In verse 10, it says, uh, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. And if you could pick two verses to be the theses of the book of Proverbs, basically that's it. Right? Hey, wisdom is the beginning of fear of the Lord. And if you do that, then years will be added to your life, right? Yeah. And so basically the book of Proverbs, in it, again, in its early chapters, it presents this idea that wisdom, the wisdom that God wants us to have, the wisdom that is life-giving is based on God. If you turn to Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 12, in verse, uh, let's begin in verse 12. Um, it says, Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, talking about wisdom, or making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And so, again, as sort of this cynic has explored all the complications and intricacies of the life that he's observed, his conclusion 
is that the duty of humanity is to fear God. Yeah, there's all these things that are complicated and complex and all these things that we cannot control. But when you boil down to it, the fact of the matter is fear God. And uh, in Job 28, in verse 28, well, actually, let's begin in verse 25 because it makes sense when you read a couple of verses over. It says, verse 25, it says, uh, When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, and when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it, and he said to the human race, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Mm. And what that's talking about is like, hey, when God created the world, basically, right? When he looked at wisdom, he said, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And and again, like, let me let me marry these these ideas, because, again, what what wisdom is for, not what it is, but what is for is to help us navigate our lives so that we can lead lives that are good, right? Yeah. And these three books of wisdom come at the issue of life and wisdom from, from three separate angles. And basically what they conclude, right, is that true wisdom is fearing God. And here's what's super interesting about that, Ryan, especially when you take these three perspectives, not only on wisdom, but on life. Because all of those three things are true, right? Well, they're not, uh, I guess they're fluid truths, if, if that, that may, almost sounds sacrilegious. But, but there, <laughs> is, there is some truth to the idea that you, when you make good decisions, right, good things happen. That is true. It's not true all of the time, but it's true, right? It also is true that sometimes you make good decisions and because of chance, because of other people, because of time, because of whatever... Even though you made all the right choices, right, the outcome isn't good. That is true. Right. That happens. It is also true that bad things happen to good people. All of those things are true. And all of those things in many ways depend on things that are outside of our hands. Right. But I think what's amazing about the books of wisdom is that basically what they're telling you is that that we can be uh, that wisdom that is solid and untainted by these things. Right. Is wisdom that is based on God and on fearing God. Because he's the one that doesn't change. He's the one that isn't subject to time. 
He's not subject to death. If he is the master of everything, nothing random happens to God. If something bad happens to a good person, he is the only one that knows why. It's mm-hmm. a good point. And if, again, if you even if you take the perspective of Proverbs, right, that that the way that Proverbs uh, presents this dynamic of good things happen to people that make good decisions, bad things happen to people that make bad decisions. The way that the book of Proverbs presents it is that God designed it this way. So if things work the way that they should work, is because they're part of God's design. So no matter how you cut it, right? Basically, wisdom that exists outside of God is not sustainable. It cracks somewhere. But if if the wisdom that you pursue is based on the fear of God, if at the center of your decisions, if at the center of uh, your righteousness, if, I, if, if when you're wondering, what do I choose here? If what you have in mind is not necessarily the outcome, but it is God, then at the end of the day, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And I think the overarching uh, idea that the the books of wisdom give us is this, that at the end of the day, something as important of as wisdom ought to be based on God and the way that we look at him. Yeah. There's, there's such an, a feeling of in America of, I want to do this by my own strength. I want to do this for my betterment or for the betterment of my family. And there isn't as much of a thought about God and God being behind everything. Right. And what we keep seeing again and again throughout the Bible is that you can't try and live apart from God and have a life that matters, have a life that, uh, succeeds in any sort of longevity that one of the things that they point out in Ecclesiastes is I can spend all my days making all kinds of money, but then I die and what happens to it. Right. Um, so that's great that you went to Wharton business school and got all these letters behind your name. When you die, it all goes away and you leave your money to somebody else who didn't work for it. Um, and that's sort of the, the end of you and you go, wow, that's sort of a bleak perspective. Sure. And the point is that our lives have to be based and grounded on a devotion to God, that it starts with that fear of God. Because when we, when we put everything back onto God, who is outside of that time, who's outside of that randomness. And we allow him to get the glory for our lives or everything that we do is credited back to him. Um, or we point to him and say, 
any good thing that you see in my life is because he's given it to me, that that directs other people's eyes to God. And so at the end of your life, you go away, but who is there? God is still there. Right. And God has reaped the benefits and God has reaped the glory for a life lived with, based in fearing him and respecting him and in uh, submission and devotion to him. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, let me just close with this thought because I think it's important to, for us to understand that the the wisdom that the Bible wants us to pursue is the the wisdom that is based on the one unshakable thing, the only unshakable thing that exists in this world, which is God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I think uh, um, the recipe for success, even when you think about it in business, right, always changes. The markets are always changing. Uh, how people achieve success are always changing. Like the game is is constantly changing, Ryan. Like it just <laughs> changes all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it, and it amazes me because, uh, you know what, what it took for you to have a comfortable life sixty years ago isn't what it takes now. And right. going forward, like. You know, for my kids, it probably won't be enough to just have a bachelor's degree. It just won't. You know what I mean? To 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 succeed. And, and again, because I think things are always shifting and they're always moving, the, the best wisdom that we can pursue has to be based on the one thing that is always the same, which is God. And that, again, that is the point of all the wisdom books that all of these things change and all of these things are difficult to understand. But the one thing that is solid is God. And that's why Mm -hmm. God is the beginning and the conclusion of wisdom. It begins, wisdom begins and ends with a fear of the Lord. And hopefully, and, and, by what the Bible teaches, that is what wisdom is. Wisdom begins and ends with the fear of the Lord. So, hopefully you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, I know it's challenging, and I hope uh, that, if anything, this only makes you more curious, because it certainly makes me more curious about God and His workings and His Word and his awesomeness. And uh, we want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, and hopefully you enjoy this. If you want to give us any feedback on this, uh, please.